Gospel of Luke, first chapter, starting at verse 26, he says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray, friends. Father in heaven, we quiet our hearts and we refocus our minds around the truth that you are a perfect, infinite, holy God who, create, who created all that is. And so in the quiet of this moment, Lord, we reset our lives around this amazing truth that you made us and that you love us. And though we've rebelled against you, Lord, you have plans for us that are greater than our own for us. So, Father, give us... Um, a sense of clarity about your vision for our lives today as we consider this amazing truth that you came in the flesh to communicate powerfully to us. Forgive us, Lord, for, uh, for believing that, that we know what contentment and peace and joy look like for ourselves apart from you. Forgive us, Lord, uh, for construing around us a world where we abuse the resources that are yours and that are for your glory for ourselves, Lord, setting up our own kingdoms against you. So, Father, correct us, teach us, speak to hearts. Would your spirit move today, Lord, uh, so that we would hear you with great power. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So how do you communicate something important so that it is heard well? How do you communicate something that is very important so that it is heard well, so that it's received with the weight it deserves, uh, so that it is heard and reckoned with in a way that fits with the message. Just this week, uh, my wife and I um, celebrated another year of marriage. And uh, if there's anything that I've learned uh, from being with this 
exceedingly patient woman (laughs) uh, for 21 years of marriage, it's that one must be wise when trying to communicate something important. It requires a lot of wisdom to communicate something well, to communicate something that is important well so that it's heard and received in a way that fits with the import of the message. Early on in our marriage, when I wanted to communicate something important to her, I thought that her hearing it well meant increasing the frequency (laughs) and the volume of what I was trying to communicate. Strangest thing, that didn't work out so well. I thought increasing the frequency and the volume uh, of my attempts to communicate the importance of my needs and desires to her was going to be met with phrases like, sure, honey, and by all means, dear. Uh, But instead, my uh, requests were met with more like, God gave you legs. (laughs) And you're kidding, right? That's the kind of thing, if you know my wife, she would very much say. Not hyperbole in the slightest. She is fierce, and God knew what he was doing when he put us together. So suffice it to say uh, that I have learned that communicating well is not the same as communicating loudly or forcefully. Communicating well and with power in a way that fits with the import of the message has actually very little to do with communicating loudly or forcefully. Parenthetically, men, those of you who believe the the opposite is effective, that communicating well means decreasing the frequency to none and the volume to zero, also not a great way to communicate. Parenthetically, part two, younger men, this is turning into a marriage seminar, by the way. In any, in any meaningful long-term relationship with a woman, listen to me carefully. She understands what you are trying to say, okay? She gets it. She gets feelings. Most likely, young men, you do not know what they are. Um, I discovered them at about 40. Don't wait so long. You're welcome. It's like Jesus said, he who has ears to hear. Parenthetically, part... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> This is not a marriage seminar. It's about Jesus. So anyway, communicating well in a way that is heard, that is received with the power it deserves um, is not the same as communicating loudly or forcefully. And it's also not the same as communicating none. You see, communicating something important with power requires two non-negotiable factors. They requires personal care and it requires physical presence. Communicating with power means communicating personally and intimately in a way that is heard and in a way that is needed. Which is to say, friends, that is the wonder of Christmas that we're here to celebrate today. The amazing truth we celebrate during the Christmas season is that in the person of Jesus, God communicated to us in a way that is heard and is needed. You see, God communicated with that kind of power because he communicated to us personally. To a young girl in the middle of a remote village who received God's powerful message with the weight that it deserved so that the king of the universe could be present in our lives today. That's how God communicates. From a young girl 2,000 years ago to us today. That, my friends, is the beauty and the wonder of a God who loves us enough 
to communicate to us so that we would hear him well. This is a truth we see in Luke, the first chapter that we read earlier. Jump in with me at Luke 1.26, where we see this amazing truth that God communicated powerfully because he communicated personally. This is the foretelling of Jesus' birth here, and we pick it up right after the foretelling of John the Baptist's birth, which is why verse 26 starts like this. It says, in the sixth month, meaning the sixth month of Elizabeth, uh, John the Baptist's mom's pregnancy, John the Baptist, who we talked about last week, um, was the forerunner of Jesus that was predicted in the Old Testament. He was the one who came in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. He preached repentance. He said, prepare the way of the Lord, meaning get your hearts ready for the coming king. So here we are this week. The king is present. All right. So in the sixth month, verse 26, in the sixth month of John the Baptist's uh, mom's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Notice that that's a personal thing, sent from God. Look at the from and to parts of what we'll read here. That's why we're saying this is a personal message here. The angel Gabriel was sent from God. Don't miss the idea that God initiates it. From God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth is a nothing special town. It is, uh, might as well here, Luke might as well have said, uh, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Green County named Chucky. Um, it was just like saying, like, it's East Tennessee, okay? It's just, it's East Tennessee. Yes, we love East Tennessee, but it's like, it's not Knoxville and it's not the big city and it's not Disney World like Johnson City. It's just East Tennessee and she's from Chucky. So that's kind of the feeling. That's kind of the feeling. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Notice this, too personal, to a virgin who was betrothed, meaning she was set to be married. Uh, to undo a betrothal was the same as undoing a marriage. It required a full divorce. She was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, meaning Joseph was from the royal line from which the Messiah would come according to the Old Testament scriptures. And the virgin's name, Luke tells us, was Mary. Little known fact, uh, Mary's name actually means from East Tennessee. No. Actually, it means uh, beloved, loved of God. And, and that's reflected in how the angel Gabriel greets her. Look at the next verse, verse 28. He, the angel Gabriel, came to her. Remember, this is a, this is a personal communication. Gabriel was sent from God to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, O, o graced one, one on whom the Lord has set his blessing and, and favor. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Gabriel comes and says, listen, Mary, God's got plans for you. Be encouraged. The Lord's favor is upon you. And he's got big plans for you. You can't even imagine. Now, don't miss here uh, this very personal trajectory of what's going on here. God could have sent worldwide lightning, thunder, earthquakes, the whole nine, and he could have set up this huge banner in the sky that said, for all to see, my son Jesus is going to be born in a really weird way that no one expects to an unknown, teacher, uh, unknown uh, teenager in a remote village. But Luke tells us that God initiates this whole thing and says to a young girl, through an angel, the Lord is with you. Listen, friends, God speaks to people so he will be heard with power. 
God speaks to people so they will hear him. If, if God spoke to us with the power and might, he could. It's a good thing Jesus came in a way we could hear. God speaks to people so they hear him. A big banner in the sky isn't going to register to you and to me like a well-spoken word. God speaks to those who are ready to hear. If in your heart the Spirit's saying to you, listen to me, (laughs) I've been searching after you all this time, and I'm here in the Christmas season in the form of a weak and helpless baby whispering to you so that you will acknowledge that my son, Jesus, is the king who has already come for you. If in your heart you've heard that, then perhaps you know what I mean when I'm saying God speaks to people so they will hear him. Let's keep reading. So God sends Gabriel to Mary. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord's with you. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying, she wonders, what on earth is going on with all this O oh, favored one stuff? So she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern, tried to understand and figure out what sort of greeting this might be. What does all this mean? And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, which is, by the way, pretty much what angels always say in the Bible when they're trying to comfort wide-eyed people who are staring in disbelief at them. That's just kind of an angel thing. Don't be afraid, for you have found, here's that word again, grace. You have found favor with God. So Gabriel says, okay, here are the specifics. Verse 31, behold, you will conceive in your womb. And if I'm Mary and I'm hearing an angel say, you're going to conceive in your womb, I go, okay. And bear a son. (laughs) Yay, a boy. And you shall call his name Jesus. Then at that point, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What? (laughs) Uh, Mary's a good Jew. She knows what Jesus means. It means God saves. I'm hearing an angel tell me all these things, and it ramps up to be this Jesus saves thing. I'm sitting here going, can't it be just like Bob or Tom, like the rest of the village kids? But here are the specifics. Keep reading. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And in case you're not tracking, Mary, let me make this clear. The Lord God will give to him, meaning your son, this Jesus kid, the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. (laughs) If I'm Mary and I'm hearing all this, like in the span of a few seconds, and he says, your kid's going to have a kingdom that will have no end. I'm thinking this is, this is turning out to be a bigger deal than I thought. So, so think about what's going on here. Think about this. Among all the many, uh, far more, at least in our minds, incredible and expected ways to bring about the salvation of the world and to communicate that to the world, God chooses, of all things, a lowly teenage girl from Nazareth. If I'm Mary, I'm thinking this is how the God of the universe communicates his plan for saving the world. Like if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, well, first I'm thinking, you sure you got the right gal? Please just go to the next person in the list. 
If I'm married, not only do I have a hundred questions, I'm asking Gabriel to go back and get the blueprints so I know exactly what's going on. But notice, next verse. Mary, humble and willing Mary, has only one question. Mary said to the angel, this is a good question, by the way. (laughs) How will this be since I am a virgin? She doesn't question this cosmic vision God has for her life. She thinks, hmm, I wonder about the mechanics of this. How will this be since I'm a virgin? How exactly is this going to work? Because <laughs> this is a bit of an unexpected way to communicate God's power to save the planet and to establish a forever kingdom. Humble and willing Mary just has one mechanics question. And the angel answered her to her question as if, it's this easy, Mary. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Your very Son will be perfect, holy, sinless Messiah. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. Go check it out. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, which Mary does check out. In other words, Gabriel says, if God can make an old barren woman pregnant, God can certainly do this in you. For nothing will be impossible, verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. Now notice in contrast to this cosmic vision, right? Like we're talking about God coming to establish a forever kingdom through the Messiah, which is a huge vision for the whole world. In contrast to that cosmic vision, her humble response is simply, how's that going to work exactly? Look, look at what she does here in her response of humility and quiet faithfulness. Mary said, verse 28, behold, you've told me enough. I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The fate of the entire world being announced And Mary has one question about mechanics. How's this going to be since I'm a virgin? And then after the angel answers it, she says, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as you have said. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. Let's do this. Now, we don't have much indication uh, about why God chose Mary to bear and to raise the Messiah here. But the picture Luke gives us here implies she had the kind of faith that was willing, after one simple question was answered, to follow God's plan, even when she had no earthly clue how that was going to play out, didn't know where that was going to lead. She just said, let it be to me as you have said. Now jump down to see this picture of her humility and faithfulness. Verse 46. Notice Mary's willingness to respond to God's personal call on her life. This is Mary's willingness to respond to God's personal call on her life. Starting at verse 46. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Me- meaning my heart is for his glory. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. If God wants to use little old me, then so be it. For behold, from now on, all generations will call of all people. Me, blessed, favored one, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Notice this continued theme of God speaking personally uh, to those who are humble enough to hear him. Verse 50, his mercy is for those who fear him 
from generation to generation. Those who are humble enough to hear him are those who fear him. He has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and yet exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty, which is to say God meets in their need those who know they need him. God meets in their need those who know they hear they need him. And he speaks to those who are ready to listen. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And here he is speaking to me. Mary says. Now the birth of Jesus uh, that we're given here in this account uh, by Luke uh, is a is a striking uh, juxtaposition, (laughs) um, setting two things close to one another for purpose of contrast. Um, Jesus as present king is a striking contrast between cosmic importance alongside personal humility. And Mary's humility here is a sharp contrast to the selfish conditions we often set on how we demand that God communicates to us. Are we preaching yet? We often come to the table in our relationship with God pretty sure we know how this works, right? I know how God talks. I know how God communicates. A mighty, powerful, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of the universe must communicate in the ways I'm pretty sure I know. (laughs) But Mary's humility is a sharp contrast to the often selfish conditions we set on how we demand that God communicates to us. Listen, God comes how God wants to come. The king establishes his kingdom in whatever way the king wants to establish his kingdom. Now, I know that's not an easy thing to to get to because I struggle with that too. Listen, if I'm Mary... I'm asking for a second opinion all along in this process. (laughs) I'm demanding that this angel Gabriel go back to get blueprints from God the Father because I'm going to need a clear timeline with achievable milestones, the resources to do it, and I want it all on a a Gantt chart. Thank you, nerds. I'm going to have some expectations for how this whole thing is going to go down, right? But don't miss miss what Scripture tells us. The birth of Jesus is a lesson for us in how God sets the tone for what he wants to communicate by how he communicates it. Meaning this, he wants you to hear him. The birth of Jesus is a lesson for us in how God sets the tone for what he wants to communicate and to whom he wants to communicate by how he communicates it. This is what I mean. If this, is, this whole scenario was up to me, I'd want God 
to do something exactly the opposite of a little baby in a manger. I'd want God to tear open the skies, to reveal everything with what I think of as power and might so that everyone sees it, so that everyone knows, so that all of the world can stand in awe of his might and his power. I want God to show himself in all of his splendor and all of creation in one moment that cannot be missed by anybody to bow in adoration for the king that he really is. And make no mistake, that will someday happen. But that's not how the birth of Jesus went down. The birth of Jesus was very different. Instead, God the Father announced his coming to a lowly, humble girl from Nowheresville. And as this story unfolds, the Savior ended up being born in a feeding trough for animals. This is a vastly different way to communicate than anyone expected. So because of that contrast in what I know is the might and power of God that will someday happen and that he deserves, and, and, and the contrast between a little baby in a manger. I, I've wrestled with a, a particular question for years in all of this. And the question is this. Why does something as cosmically monumental right? Like as cosmically monumental as, as the God who created all of earth coming to earth to save it. Why does something so huge get communicated in such a small, tiny, pretty weak way? Like why is that communicated in a whisper, in a way that seems so small and lowly and humble when it's something that should and does and will define all of history? Why does God functionally whisper his coming in a humble and quiet and weak way like a baby. Why does God communicate so quietly? I think this passage in Christmas gives us the answer. Why does God communicate so quietly? The reason he communicates quietly is because he's close. He he can talk to you like this when he's with you. Christmas is about the truth that God doesn't have to shout (laughs) because he's close. When you're close, personal words take on meaning they don't when you're far away. Words take on intimacy of meaning. They express personal care. You don't communicate love by just raising your voice. (laughs) You communicate love with intimacy and care and personal presence. Why does God communicate quietly? Because he's with us. The truth of John 1.14 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He lived with us. In the person of Jesus, the power and the might of God becomes skin and bones. Jesus was God's personal communication to tell us that he loves us. The birth of the Savior was quiet because God was close. And when God speaks to you to draw you to himself through the quiet whisper of a present king, 
And through the ongoing presence of his spirit, the appropriate response is, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me as you have said. Father in heaven, today we lift up our hearts to you. grateful that you wisely communicated to us so that we would not be overcome by what we can't hear, but that we would have an awareness of your love and care for us in ways that are personal. Lord, the truth of this season is that your infinite power was expressed in the humble weakness of a baby. So, Father, we love you and we give you praise because you have communicated to us powerfully because you've communicated to us personally. That is amazing truth, Lord. And we ask that uh, we would hear it well with the kind of effect in our hearts that you intend so that we would give you praise and glory, that we would acknowledge you as the King who has come and who is present so that we could have forever relationship with you. Teach us and shape us. We're grateful for your word that has come to us in the fullness of grace and truth. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Friends, Scott did a great job of of illustrating the personal level that God took to, to read.